0: Welcome to another episode of the next show here in Hamburg and welcome to you. Thank you. Great to have you in person. Great to be somewhere. (laughs) Great to be somewhere, I love that. It's apparently the third season of our show already, unbelievable. When our team decided to go virtual in 2020, we expected this to be a temporary state, a placeholder for our next conference, which couldn't have it back then for obvious reasons. Almost two years later, this show is now a permanent part of our offering to you, the next community, which is growing constantly and we are really grateful for that. And this phenomenon that digital offerings are an integral part of the portfolio is something we see even with brands whose products were previously primarily analog. Whether it's sports brands like Nike buying NFT startups or supermarkets entering the animal crossing space, user behavior has shifted massively. Digital experiences are at the center of their expectations. We could see that coming way before the pandemic, but this development has been given a real boost by the situation we experienced in the past two years. In today's episode, we will take a look at what has changed in all our behavior and what that means for 2020 and beyond. To do so, we have invited Chris Bünke as our guest today. He's a managing and group director in Germany at Fjord, a global design and innovation consultancy and part of the Accenture family, as is the next conference as well. Chris will explain relevant phenomena in conversation with you, Monique.
1: Yes, and, and it's such an interesting time as well. I mean, the Fjord report that came out, the fabric of life, I do think something has really changed in the fabric of life. The last two years, we were forced to sit at home, we were forced to not only share information and, and you know, do our meetings online, but also share our lives online and process our emotions. So um, we have changed. All of us have changed a bit. And that's what I'm going to talk about to Chris.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Even we connected on a different level because usually we were just in touch once a year very closely for the next conference, obviously. Now we've been in touch all year long. I know your living room. I know everything. (laughs) Exactly. I know your dog. (laughs) It's a really big dog. (laughs) Definitely. So great to have uh, you and Chris here. So um, I'm delighted and hand over to you for the conversation.
1: Thank you very much. The world is changing and we need new systems and new designs. And I'm delighted that we have Chris Bunker here, who is the managing group director of Fjord. And that's an agency full of designers and people thinking about this new world. It's true, yes. OK, so how has the two years been for you? How has the pandemic affected <laughs> being the managing director of a group of designers?
2: Wow, it's been crazy um, for everybody. I guess, but uh, in my role, especially to make sure that you have a team that actually naturally works from a studio and sees each other every day, single day, mm-hmm. even though we cross collaborate, but every single day you have these 50, 60 people around you, and now they're all at home. Um, I guess it's been keeping me thinking a lot about what will happen with the new normal, the thing that we'll do after. And I guess that's also how my last two years been, have been to figure mm-hmm. out. How do you empower talent that is not extroverts when they cannot be in the same room and let people feel what they will have to do and want to do? And how do you make sure that you still get the good quality in design out there if you're not able to physically see each other and touch and do things manually?
1: Because you also discover how different people really are, right? Because there's lots of people who flourish at the moment, mm-hmm. who are delighted to be working from home and not to have to deal with all the others all the time. Yes. I mean, is there sort of a division in your teams where you say like, oh, now I understand. You're an introvert, you're an extrovert, you are.
2: That's a good yeah. point. Um, I would say, no, there's not a division. It's just that people have different moments in the day and in their work related to silent work, collaboration, meeting time, and just casual networking. And I would say that every place, not just our studios, but also our clients' places, have been designed in a kind of uniform way. You have to abide the rules of that place, and they're not necessarily made for everybody's cadence between these four types, and percentages of how much they do. So I do believe that there's a bigger part of our team who's now extremely happy to have more silence, because it was a loud place, music Mm. always banging. Um, At the same time, there's a group of people that really miss that and Mm -hmm. that that also feedback that it's impossible to mimic that in a fully remote environment. And so I guess it's not a division as much as a challenge to me and the team to make sure that the places that we have are modular enough to now Mm -hmm. cater for these uncovered needs and wants in type of work. And I think that's fine. It's just an evolution.
1: Okay. But we'll end up with different offices eventually, different workspaces. They're not offices anymore. They're half our lives, after all. Um, Let's talk about the reason we invited you over here. That's the Fjord Trend Report. Now, the Trend Report comes out every year. It's not like a Trend Report about, oh, people are now super interested in this, and they're (laughs) buying that, and the new hobbies of the year are this, and the favorite color is taupe, whatever. It's a Trend Report about, uh, not even about technology it's a trend report about how we relate to each other and yeah. actually how the pandemic has changed that yeah. Is that a good you know what, what what did you set out with the report
2: yes with the report i think as you said we try to make sure that we do something tangible for next year versus the five the 10 the 15 year big old trends And also, as you said, uh, they're not supposed to just guide you in, okay, here's what you need to hit, but more, here's what you need to understand. So need you see, we develop them every year with all of the 45, 46, depending on how you count, studios across the planet, 1,700 designers saying in May, okay, let's (laughs) look at all of our qualitative work, because we do a lot of that, we talk to people, we try to understand systems, and then collide to, okay, what does it mean will matter next year, and how we relate to each other society, institutions, yes, and brands, clients, and with brands, B2B as well as B2C. And when we collide that all together, I think the the secret sauce of them is that they work by themselves, but they also work as a chord, almost like if you were playing a keyboard to say you understand the friction between them and that excites space to design into rather than am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? We want to help mm-hmm. our clients understand this is the place to s- where you can play here is the interests and needs not just humans but planet, cross species actually and then y- you get to play with that to figure out what will you do with them and that's also the reason why there's uh, usually seven plus minus two because y- you can't have more <laughs> than you yeah, look at yeah, in yeah. the year and this year is five trends that try to do that
1: now before we dive into the five trends i mean seriously literally how do you do that if you have 1700 people with ideas (laughs) of what the most important trends are do you have a big google spreadsheet where
2: people good question spreadsheet is not very much liked by the talent (laughs) that we have in design and innovation yes so uh, literally around about the same time we invite people we invited people all physically now we invited them virtually into a two to three day workshop session where people share Mm -hmm. their findings we collate them almost as in, I would say, clusters, bigger bubbles of things that relate to each other, and then we also show the frictions between them. And that really rough, raw, usually text, but then pictures, doodles, we sent over to one of our founders who has the great challenge to combine, all well Mark Curtis has to combine all of that stuff mm-hmm. into something that is tangible, and then sends out a team that asks every team in the studios, here's roughly what we think is going to be signals what are the signals out there in your different countries, because we're all over the world now, what what is really happening, and then is what is being brought together and then synthesized into this this very rich kind of thing that you can use in every country and break down to every place and every cultural context, but it's also universal in a sense for the globe with different nuances.
1: And and that's also why it takes like nine months to prepare it instead of at the end of the year. Let's do a brainstorm and write down. (laughs) Now, the new fabric of life, what are the five most important things we should know?
2: okay uh, first of all the sixth thing you should know about the five <laughs> things is the new fabric of life is as all of our trends a continuation of last year we look for what do we do with this pandemic remote basically being torn out of our roots to yeah. how we operate now new fabric of life means you're weaving and weaving is always it's dependent on friction of threads mm-hmm. that come into one another and we believe that this year is going to be the renegotiation of your interaction with institution, brand, or your own employer, your family, in many different ways. And in a nutshell, all of the five trends play into these different strings that you're interweaving. The first one is called Comments You Are, which is probably the most fundamental one when you start with this is about you and what you see around yourself now is that people start to care less and less to the extent of not care at all what used to be social norms for behavior. Look at Simone Biles basically taking herself out of the most important sports event she could possibly be in by saying, I'm not well, yep. I won't do it. Come as you are means you take yourself first and you renegotiate the terms on which previously you were supposed to act. She wasn't supposed to do that because she was supposed to be famous, successful, adored in that event and then if she won, which you probably would have, all the way through the next three years, connected to business, institution, America, all of that stuff. She didn't do that and it was still okay. And this hints at us renegotiating what is the things that we want to stand for, purpose, the big resignation is one of those things, right? Yeah. People so quitting their jobs. So all those people the quitting
1: their jobs. Yeah,
2: it's related yeah. to you don't want to play by the rule that you thought was there any longer, and you don't have to because you have to the creative economy. People can just go off and be making a living on content, videos, right? Literally, consumers become competitors of the brands that they were buying earlier. And that's something that also brands need to understand. And I guess the most, because we talked about this in the beginning, the most crucial part about this is that uh, this relationship with the employer is not just about, do you have enough purpose for me? But it's also, do you act with me what I want, where I want to work? I have a couple of clients in our region here, so the German-speaking area, that still need to understand that there is a negotiation going on between right. employee and employer around, I want to work from home or I will not accept that you say I should do that last because you want me here and you want me to be uh, yeah. available. So it's not it's
1: not only that they want something they don't they also do not accept the existing rules anymore. Exactly. I mean it's it's not it's just negotiating in your pay package whatever no it's I don't
2: agree with your rules. Exactly. And think yeah. about coming from a German not accepting <laughs> the rules it's crazy. Yeah. It's this difference between me and the collective. Yeah. This is being reset.
1: So these two years that we've no, experience as a collective and most of us have experienced this at home with you know people that we live with have resulted in an attitude of I want this and mm. I'm not going to be part of your collective rules anymore
2: yeah definitely and you're hitting immediately on the second thing the thread that is weaving with this I want this is over when it comes to stuff so okay. This is another thing that interacts with it, right? I want more agency about what I do and how I live because I've seen now the hard way, right? There is a boat in the Suez Canal, stuff is not on the shelves. Generally, everybody knows and a lot of youth, if you ask them there are studies out, they think the planet is, sorry for my French, fucked already. So now the question is, what does it mean? And we think this trend is called the end of abundance thinking. It's already clear that capitalism and infinite growth is not a thing. Now we realize infinite stuff isn't either. And I guess that's something that is connected to this and it's awakening. And it's not so, don't get me wrong, it's not me harping on around sustainability. We all know that that's important. It's already been important for years. But what we think that is going to happen next year is for people to not only require sustainable, or circular, but people will now require regenerative. They want to work for companies, give their money to companies, and interact with institutions that not only do net zero, no damage, but do positive effects. Think about the goods that are being produced that you eat. How do they get produced? Does this help the planet? Does it help other species? Uh, and that's a big shift in a, and in and a lot of ways. And do people also,
1: because, I don't think anybody would disagree, I mean, if mm-hmm. everybody would say, yes, yeah, sure, I want that. Yeah. But they have to pay more for it, maybe, or buy less, and they, the, the brands or the producers have to be around. I mean, yes. is there enough there already?
2: Exactly. So A, there's not enough there. B, you have inflation that the majority of the population has not ever experienced. Like this, this magic line of 4% inflation yeah. is now breaking down means stuff gets not only less available because of something being stuck in a canal or a pandemic, it's also more expensive, which makes you think, do I need to have all of that? And the things that I then can afford and want to buy, how are they made to avoid that things generally? will not be available because we run out of resources, or the planet is so hot that yeah. we have uh, even more problems. So this gets into this pressure chamber, which you could also positively phrase to say, people understand interconnectedness finally, because it now hurts.
0: Yeah. If
2: I, like, I, I just moved and I wanted uh, a new IKEA shelf for three months, I cannot get this IKEA shelf. And, it, and this sounds silly, right? But mm-hmm. you said, do do, they f- do people feel it? Is it is it something that they will do beyond the, n- the, g- the w- nice words about, yes, I'm sustainable, and I'm all pro-saving animal lives? No.
1: No, but there's a real, yeah. real shortage. It's real, yeah, I mean there's, there's a there's real impact. There's now. no paper, there's no vinyl, there's no wood. I mean, yeah. it's, it's basic stuff is not there or very yes. expensive. But it's strange because when you think of the end of abundance, you think of a more sober lifestyle, you think of being more careful with things. (laughs) And at the same time, there's this this incredible convenience now weaving through our lives, where you can order anything, anytime, it will arrive the next day or the same day. (laughs) And it seems to be in conflict with each other, right?
2: Yeah, totally. And I think that's also the... You can see the struggles, or at least many people that I work with or talk to, to align these things. I think we talked about flexitarians already a year and a half to two years ago and this is now happening and people will be shifting so for example these home delivery services that come within 10 minutes it's like the last bravado of the roman empire moment <laughs> of capitalism it's like yes end that if you thought we were gone and <laughs> that and And that's going to run into so many problems um, because now consumers will think about, do I really need this and where is it coming from and is Mm -hmm. it good? So I I guess, yes, this year that, this is why it's also the end of abundance thinking. I'm quite hopeful that this year we will look at that. The year after is hopefully the end of abundance doing because Mm -hmm. you first got to switch it so that you can actually, stop things for real, because also regenerative yeah. practices take time, right? Yeah. Switching over farming to regenerate land is not something that you can just go to the good people that actually have these farms right now and say, you know, chop chop, go change everything and please on your own budget. It's
1: yeah. not yeah. going to happen. It's no. this whole supply chain, the whole system, the whole... I mean, you actually call it the end of capitalism, I'm very curious what will come next, but let's first go to the next three Mm -hmm. trends because you have five. Yeah,
2: exactly. The perfect segue from things and stuff get less available is virtually, intellectually, there is now infinity. The metaverse, the biggest bullshit bingo words that we will have. (laughs) That that's not that's not a a research thing, it's just a trend. Everybody's talking about it, few people understand it, and the reason why is possibly, and that's why it's called the next frontier. The trend is not called the metaverse. Mm -hmm. The next frontier is defining what that space that is virtually infinite should be like in order to accommodate for our need to express ourselves intellectually and then also create an economy out of that we already have to create Mm -hmm. an economy here now we have a place and i think something that is interesting about that beyond the non-fungible tokens and how we can make money with it and it's all good and true and it's also part of our trend yes but if you ask me for me the spatial element is what makes it interesting yes Mm -hmm. second life long time ago didn't work why technology now fast forward Ready Player One movie or book, I prefer to book actually, and you can physically experience each other far distance in a virtual space. And mm. that will change a lot of things. You don't have v- users of a website or an app, you have participants.
1: Be yeah, a visitors a of a place, exactly. you go somewhere yes. and you might go somewhere to hope other people are there. You're not, you don't have to send them an invite, exactly. they, the place is permanent, it's yes. digital and, permanent. and it doesn't have to be a 3D game-like environment, right? it, exactly. could be could be it could be anything, it could be a sound space. Yeah, Soundscape,
2: AR, yeah. like all of the technologies, yes, and I think this year what we're saying is that that will finally be stepped into, you step into, there's so much to clarify, transferability between the metaverses, lock-ins and all of that, then there's a huge aspect of ethics and diversity. Will this be good for inclusion because everybody can be who they want to be or is it just glitter on the fact that outside of the metaverse we're actually not diverse and inclusive the way that we want to be and what will happen in there is that actually something that will progress how we interact with one another. Or is it something where you go? Well, mm, maybe we shouldn't have done that part um, next to you know what we've already yeah, done. But, I, but right. if you
1: think of this truly immersive tech, I mean, the exact thing that makes it super attractive and interesting is also the same thing that makes it dangerous and and will yes, you so know medium, prey on our yeah. worst worst sentiments. That's three. Yes, four.
2: four. So even before you step into the metaverse. Um, there is a trend that we call this much is true. And this much is true is very much based on the fact that now, for a lot of years and through one Trump, um, misinformation has been a big part of our lives. And on the other hand, we've never asked so many questions. We're probably among the generations, you, me, the kids, even more so, they can Google anything and they'll get an answer, or they can just ask somebody who's around the corner. And that means for grand institutions, that the new competitive edge is not anymore is my product the best in order to get attention. It's can I layer information in such a way, and this is very much a design trend especially, can I bring information into context in such a way that questions that I didn't even know that the consumer had are being answered. Such as when I buy my Pangaya pullover here, I want to immediately see while I'm buying it that the factory that it's being produced in is good, is sustainable. The money that they're saving, does it go to regeneration or not? And all of this contextualization needs to be there and most importantly for also the the budget behind that, scalable. So what we think is on the one hand side, we need to look at what do you need to answer even though that's not necessarily what is happening, what the consumer is doing right now. And on the other hand, you also need to figure out, can I do this? via a artificial intelligence, because yeah. chatbots, need systems to yes, yes, exactly. Chatbots, yeah. conversation and I, we start getting used to this. We think that this year that this takes off because the technology is ready and people start to be ready to interact more with technological partners and stepping into the metaverse even more so. And that means that now you can actually bring context into it. For example, you take part in a charity lottery, you want to know where does the money of that charity lottery get spent? That you. It have is an to
1: optimistic it. viewpoint you have because I'm sure there are lots of lots of people <laughs> who think like, I actually rather not know where all my cheap clothes are produced or yeah. how this cow was killed. Or I mean, there's lots of information that if you don't know it, you're happier than if you do know it.
2: This is true. Yes, based on the past, and if you test it. Especially with younger user groups, if you don't have that information and there's another brand that has it, they'll choose that one. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it's about the competitive edge. I'm so not you saying you that don't you-
1: don't have to outrun the line, you just have to outrun the yes, other guy. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, so everybody wants to be a little bit more transparent, just enough
2: to compete. Transparent to and then competition. after transparency, on point. What you want to know, what you care about, and with the data that we now hold about ourselves, there is a possibility to uh, translate preference for what you want to buy also into context yeah. that you need to serve as an information. I
1: Can think we, we have one trend left.
2: One, one one, yes, and you, you asked the perfect question around, because you said there's people who don't want this, we need to care. And the last one is all about handle with care, caring, right? And this is born out of a pandemic, yes. So there is a basically a health-related crisis and this has propelled health into the foreground of everything mm. and now everybody's picking it up on it in different ways and arguably so every business has to it starts with every business has to have a chief health officer because we have so many looming mental health yeah. body posture economic problems looming that are not even seen that if you don't have one your employees will say well mm, so what's your program how are you going to help me what are the benefits working here for my health and for the health of my family my kids so but that, what's b- but that also gives
1: a, a big advantage to big companies but because small companies cannot hire somebody to be the help of that's true right?
2: but small companies have the ability to reach more direct. And caring is not only about, can I offer a lot? It's very often also, can I be there and intervene? Because how does mental health problems actually propel? It's a disconnect, right? Between what you do and the pressures upon you. That's one element of it. The other one is that you have a huge industry convergence in health. Now, insurers start to care about not only collecting all of your data and having a nice patient data set, but They want to make sure that you are healthy longer, so they invest into health services, which usually they were just a payer for, now they become the provider. And this translates then all the way down to, is what I do as a brand, even if I have no relationship to helping you being healthy, making sure that I don't make you sick, addicted, um, disconnected from your family. And now look at all of this, and this is a nice friction again with the creator economy around more noise? And then how do you cater that? How do you people not make addicted to Instagram, TikTok, all of that? How do you ensure that the food, the brands that you're serving are not addicting people anymore and make them worse? And that, that's the flip that. Side goes that goes very
1: much against the grain of what these brands exist for, right? I mean, the driving forces is to make you stay in the app or to yeah. have you watch more exactly. or to eat crisps every day or whatever
2: I mean all of these things are true and it needs a business model shift right it's the I agree with you they need you to be there but so does your family they also need you to be there and for a good reason is the reason to be served ads probably not to an extent where you don't have a real life or where you're not able to psychologically disconnect probably not and hence the question is, can companies that are not able to go into health still understand their impact on your health so that they have an answer? All the way to, you see that in America, because uh, at least in Germany, people are not as polite, unfortunately, but <laughs> in America, when you call a bank, their call center in the end will say, please, take care of yourself and be careful <laughs> out there, which they didn't do but They,
1: they also ask, how are you? And they don't expect you to answer that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <they> that, that, <laughs>
2: is cr- that is correct. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that. But No, I have, an, I have yes. a technology question there yes. as well, yes. because I,
1: if you put some of the responsibility for mental health uh, issues with employers, yeah. and you have the tech, the, the tech exists to, track somebody's social interactions digitally. I mean, Facebook can predict who is getting depressed. You know, the tech is there to actually track your employees and find out there's risk factors going on. You could also argue, I don't want my employer to yeah, and they be aware of my no, mental issues. Y- yes. I, d- so I want them to be completely ignorant of how and I'm doing. that's totally fine,
2: yeah? yes. And I, and I agree that actually, depending on the cultural background that you have, that's the norm, I think, especially in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, it's impossible to convince people, hey, please give up all of your information to make sure that we keep you healthy, and mm. kind of the Britney Spears scenario that nobody wants. The, the thing is, you still need to offer something that is more meaningful than a webinar in mental health. Mm. Uh, are you bad? Okay, here, watch this video and you'll be better. That's not going to help you as mm. an employee. You will need to find ways that do not only fix, and here comes the... Again the friction with the regeneration, not only fix the problem, but is the way that your company is organized helping your people to stay healthy, is the work amount, time, pressure, cadence set up in such a way that people will remain healthy over time. These are more important questions than can I track you to make sure that you don't do something stupid. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah? Now those five trends together, they really point at um a a new world coming i mean a new way of brands and businesses and people and connections Um, and uh, you know you run a company full of designers (laughs) so they will want to design these new systems right Um, and it's mentioned somewhere in the report it says you know the innovation that we need now is is not having something new all the time it actually takes a much longer line of thought it takes you know looking into the far future and then design the systems. So how, how do you make that change happening in your company? Because yeah. uh,
2: so I think there's two angles to this. Angle one is that I think we need to design even closer with the people who would not use what's coming out but the people that can help build what others will be using. So I think a big part is going to be shifting away from prescriptive innovation. We work with a brand and their brand with us decides here's a new product and then We'll need a lot of time and then we'll throw it into the market that's the past i think the what we need to do is similar to what people had to do during the pandemic give platforms for behavior take for example being able to create your own clothing line and then sell it online on an e-commerce store that then Contributes to you says something about the innovation of how e-commerce should work for individuals And not the h and the Zara's and everybody of this space So setting these things up will need to be done with doers who are not yet doing and that's exciting right? mm-hmm. and, the, and it vibes a lot with where the new generations think employment is going to go to It's not going to be a fixed career. It's more gig it's more what I want to do, more purpose-driven, and I think that's one. The other side of it is, and this is something that we're learning, but we need a lot of time to still learn it properly, and we need different talents, so shout out to everybody who wants to come, is to design for and with other species. A lot of the bigger problems that we have as humanity is killing fungi, bacteria, and <laughs> misusing animals and abusing animals instead of seeing that as a collective ecosystem that is always there, we're just not having a really good interaction with it. So the biochemists out there, the neuroscientists out there, the future veterinarians that don't want to become veterinarians out there, they will be part of design teams very, very soon because they will have the insight that you need in a co-creation process to actually try and test something new. None of my designers right now would say, yeah, you want this in fungi? No problem, <laughs> let, me, let me get them sorted. Yeah. And yeah, th- I think that's another thing that we have to do. Yeah.
1: I, I love the optimism because you could also say, you know, there's a war looming, the planet is going down, there's a pandemic that will never stop and, and we're all alone and, and getting miserable, but you know. <laughs> Trusted designers. Thank you so much for this conversation.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Imagine this. It is the near future and there is a crisis on planet Earth. We have the chance to board a space shuttle for a new planet to settle there and create a new home for humanity. Chris Bönke, due to your achievements in innovation and design, you've been among the 1,000 pioneers who've been chosen to travel with us to the new planet. But before you may board the space shuttle, you have to answer five questions. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Question number one
2: Go
0: for it. Name one luxury object you would take to your new home.
2: The spaceship is small. But I would like to take my drum kit, if it were possible, just to bring some music along uh, and to annoy people, just a tiny bit.
0: Yeah. What book should everyone read before boarding the the space shuttle?
2: It's a good question. I think that since we're departing from what we've done and go to what we want to do in the future, there's this book called Humankind that talks about how people are actually good from when they're born and genetically. And it's written by Rutger Brechmann, a Dutch guy so I think that should be read by everybody so that we get along better than we have for a long time now.
0: Super interesting yeah I read that book too, really liked it. Cool. So what person should we take to the new planet? Um, and your hmm. family you may also take. Okay they're included. You, they're included. All
2: right that's important. Uh, Pharrell Williams I think, yes because we need creativity, we need inclusivity, we need people who push People out of their comfort zones, and I really think that that's the guy that we should take for it. So we
0: have drums and Pharrell Williams. Exactly. That's it's the almost perfect a band. combination. Yes. It's almost <laughs> a dance party. Yes. So, what law do you think we should implement on the new planet?
2: It's a good one. It's related to the book recommendation. I think we should ban people from having real estate property, so not owning places and spaces any longer, because I think that's gotten us into the a lot of the mess that we have right now. It's not against. Capitalism is just that people should be able to roam free and live where they want to be. And I think that would be setting us up for success A tiny to Fantastic.
0: I like that thought. And finally, what tradition would you take from planet Earth to your new home?
2: Hmm. It's a good one, um, a lot of obvious ones. I think April's Fool's pranks <laughs> would <will> be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, not the ones where you just lie, because we have plenty of that with the media, going on, like false information, but the ones where you do stuff to people that is endearing and kind to show that you care and try to mess up the day a little bit. So maybe not just one day, but a little bit more often. That would be preferable for Fantastic the new planet,
0: So <laughs> I have to watch out so you don't fool me at any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, thank you for these interesting answers. Thank you. Um, you may now board the space shuttle.
2: Looking to forward.
0: fly to your new home. All right. Thank, thank you so mission.
2: much. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Chris, for joining the fun and our ride to the next planet. And also, thank you for watching the show today. I would like to invite you to go to nextconf.eu to subscribe to our newsletter or to get some more information on the next conference, which will be happening in Hamburg in September. Finally, I'd like to thank our partners, Factor 3, Accenture Interactive, and 3 N for their support. Hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.